Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? De Niro B here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, we are here with Philip Wolf. As the CEO of Customify, Philip helps SaaS businesses deliver great results for customers. After seeing companies spend big money with no systematic approach to customer success, Philip knew something had to change. And that's why he founded Custify to provide a tool that lets agents spend more time with clients instead of organizing CRM data. This is going to be an amazing conversation. I'm very excited. So let's get right into it. Philip, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And Philip, I ask this to every single one of my guests. What were you doing before becoming an entrepreneur and what made you become one? Good question. Yeah. So I was, uh, let's let's call it a normal employee before, um, in a yeah, management position of a bigger company, a uh, completely different field of what I'm actually doing now. The only uh, mm-hmm. common common thing about them is software. Um, what makes what made me start this uh, company was uh, more or less um, the moment um, of uh, leaving that former company, which was more or less most likely the last uh, the last moment where starting a new company was really easy. Easy in a sense of uh, no kids, uh, no com- no bigger commitments, no how yes. to pay off, and these things. So uh, it was probably the last. I'm not saying that you can't do it later, but this was the last easy one, let's say. Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. Um, the straightforward uh, one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And uh, then, of course, the the topic itself that came from the previous experiences that I collected uh, in the in the previous role and a bit of market research from like what we are actually doing. Yes, absolutely. And do you mind sharing what your business does with our audience so they get an idea of the type of work you guys do? Sure. So Castify, which is the company and product name, um, is a customer success platform. Um, Mm -hmm. We work mostly with other software as a service companies. and We help them to basically manage everything post-sales. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, check in with the customer, understanding if a customer is onboarding correctly, understanding if a customer gets value from the product. And then if not, we basically give the customer success team, which is the typical user of Castify, Mm -hmm. uh, a hands up and give them the chance to reach out at the right time with the right message to the right customer. So this is basically the platform. That's amazing. And uh, at this point, I am... Like podcasts, you know, like I said, we we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are getting started building their teams. Um, I was wondering, is your team uh, a hybrid team? Is it in-house, like in a, in a, in person, or is it uh, remote? Um, so it's in the beginning when it, when we were just like uh, two, we were having a shared office space uh, rented for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the team grew, and um, we it's it's a hybrid environment where. 
We have some of the team members that are all across the world. For example, our VP of sales right now lives in London and he's going to move to Australia soon. Um, so he certainly will not be in an office, but our headquarter is in Bucharest, which is in Romania. Yep. Um, and there we have also a small office. However, the most of the times, uh, the, the majority of the team still works remote, even though uh, a big portion is in Bucharest. Um, they come to the office eventually one, two days a week. Um, and this is completely up to their own judgment, let's say, when they want to come to the office. That's awesome. And again, just so that we can get an idea of the challenges that you may have experienced when starting you know, build these uh, remote relationships, can you tell us a couple of tips on how to overcome these challenges. First off, if you had any challenges, and, and second of all, how were you able to overcome those challenges and build a successful team like the one that you have right now? Yeah, well, I think one thing that uh, I guess the audience and uh, every founder has is challenges. So there are many, many challenges. Um, and indeed, uh, one of them is building a, a functional and motivated team uh, remotely. Um, and I guess we were in a in a real in a growth stage when COVID hit, mm -hmm. so we oh, were yeah. kind of there was no option, let's say, to not do it remote. Right? So we, this yes, was the exactly. only way to do it. <laughs> so um, now uh, the for me being like a I'm 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 doing management since like 20, 25 years already. And uh, in the older times, let's mm -hmm. say everything was face to face. We were even flying guys in from all over the world, just in our headquarter to interview them in person after we did some pre-selection steps, obviously. But yes. the final yeah. interview was always also on site to meet that person, shake hands, understand how is this person interacting with the team. And those are things you can't do anymore uh, when you do remote. So this, like you have to, the let's say the, the human uh, the human brain um, yeah. has some sensors that you can't really transport very well through a Zoom call, even if you turn the video on. Yeah. Um, there's still a lot of uncertainty there. Um, what we did is uh, still we had, um, we tried to copy this, let's say the process that you would have on an on-site interview, which okay. is um, a pre-interview, which is a, um, um, a test, uh, a practical test, um, can you share your screen and go to this application and do X, Y, Z, right? So kind of a practical yeah. test where you cannot cheat in a way that I, I don't give you something and then I check one day later and you can yeah. do it with, uh, you know, it's just like a basically ad hoc test. Yeah. Um, and then also meet the team. Okay, so now that we that we had a chat and like, let's let's meet in a bigger round. You can do that all also in Zoom. And that's, that's kind of what we did in those times. Mm -hmm. And that's what we also still uh, do when we hire uh, now. And for example, now we're currently hiring, uh, we're increasing our sales team. And um, some of those offers that we made were also completely uh, abroad. Uh, I think Portugal was one of them. So um, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, um, we still try to do exactly that that uh, that thing. Try to mimic it, but I admit it's it it has the it it's more challenging than when you see a person, you can interact yeah. the person, you can sit with the person for lunch, you see how the person interacts with the team, and under pressure, you have just more sensors, let's say, than you would have in a in a Zoom call. Absolutely. And here's the thing about working remotely or building at least a team remotely. There are a lot of challenges when it comes to the management and really even picking the right people, right? 
but what we find is that um, when you can tap into a broader market that it's not just your local, you know, 30 to 50 kilometer radius around your office, and when you start really going, you know, worldwide, you can find better talent. So that sure. is something that I wanted to ask you. Do you find that a Customify, uh, you know, being able again to to look for talent all over the world is giving you some sort of an advantage since the past, you know, couple of years? Yeah, one hundred percent. You find better, you find more affordable uh, people uh, this way. You find people that are more flexible. Um, this I one hundred percent would agree to, absolutely, and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at least in our uh, in our situation, as uh, as still being a, a startup, um, mm. hiring people in in other countries naturally means also that they are typically contract based, right? Yes. So that makes that makes um, that makes the life for a earlier stage company also easier in a sense of paperwork. Yes, because for employees you have to go at least. I mean, uh, at least for us or for, for, I guess, for most, it depends, of course, yeah. in which country you, you are, but there's always regulations, yeah. health regulations, um, training regulation, a lot of stuff, paperwork and things, yeah. which are, yeah, most of them, at least at least here is most of them are a bit the same in Canada, the, the same in the United States. Okay. Yeah, like very yeah. much. So yeah, you, like... <laughs> exactly. So some of the things you would, you would probably question if that is, if that really adds a lot of value to anyone doing yeah. those kind of things. And certainly when you are building a business and you're in your earlier stages, you look for a lot of productivity and you don't look for paperwork and you don't look yeah. for uh, bureaucracy and all those things. So that is another advantage of hiring uh, hiring it this way because, well, people, they send you a invoice and you pay it. So from an accounting perspective and from the all the legal and all these other overhead, um, it makes uh, it makes scaling you uh, in the beginning also easier. You don't need a local subsidiary in France just because you hire someone in France. Absolutely, absolutely. So I wanted to switch gears for a second, and I wanted to talk about uh, you know customer success. I know that your product is all based around customer success. And so our listeners at home uh, are building businesses. They are focusing on marketing their products, on branding, on outreach, and all this great stuff that you need to grow a business. But then sometimes when the onboarding process happens, you know, things just get kicked around the wrong way and clients don't get taken care of the right way. So can you tell us in your experience what it means uh, to have a, a you know a good customer success blueprint in place for a business. Um, yeah, um, and I think um, you you exactly you 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 named it exactly right. Many people focus a lot on customer acquisition, marketing, brand building, which is which is naturally and which has to be done, of course. Yeah. But if you have a business, and it doesn't have to be a software as a service business, it can be any business where you want your customers to return to you. So you you don't have one off businesses, you want them yeah. to come back more often, um, then customer success uh, plays a role. And there is no such bl blueprint probably for that I can say like, okay, this is what you need to do, but it depends a bit on um, what is the average customer paying you? That means the more they pay you, the more can you afford to be proactive as a person and you can go on calls and you can help them to adopt your product. You can help them to make them understand the value quicker. Um, and if you can't afford this because you your product is 10, 20 bucks a month, then you have to do other ways. You have to be a bit more, um, work more with automation and, and, and send emails. If they do this and this, then send them an email, engage with them. The principle is still the same, 
for customer success, you make sure that the customer onboards and adopts the product quicker mm -hmm. and without hassles. And you are proactive with them. So if they run into any issues, you know that already based on your product data. You see they don't do X, they don't do Y. Um, and then you proactively reach out. You don't wait until the customer leaves you. You don't wait until the customer reaches out to support to say, hey, this doesn't work. Uh, but you are basically proactive with the customer throughout the life cycle. And um, yeah, so that's that's from a thinking process, um, different from a support department where you wait for the customer to ask you a question and then you respond. The customer success by definition is a more proactive role where you try to really build a relationship with the customer and you try to be proactive about things that you see uh, could help them. Absolutely. You got to be on the same team. I think this is a great reminder for all our listeners at home. I hope that if you're, unless you're driving, I always say, unless you're driving, take notes. If you're driving, don't take notes right now. I don't want to be responsible for an accident. But this is very, very important information because like you said, and like we were saying earlier, the marketing part of acquiring customers is very important. But what if you have a leaky bucket and you put all these leads and all these sales into a bucket and like literally just like that, they try your product or service and then they leave. They try it and they leave. You're never really going to be able to build something at scale if you do that. Do you guys have by any chance any numbers of how much money you could save or how much ROI you can get more if you have an airtight process that makes sure that people don't, you, you know, don't even message you for problems because they're getting reached out beforehand? How much does that impact on the bottom line of a business? Um, yeah, we have some data on our blog and some articles, but imagine like this, the percentage in churn of just one or 2% difference makes it yeah. on the, on the month to month base, this doesn't really show up as, as significant. You think like, ah, let's, ah, how do I care about this one or 2% churn? However, mm -hmm. we are speaking about reoccurring business revenue. That means MRR. So the yeah. customer pays you 10 bucks today, pays you 10 bucks next month pay or doesn't. And this yeah. means that if there is a small deviation, a small reduction in the churn, it has a significant business impact if you look into the future and we talk about one, two, five years from now. So you like this 1% can mean you triple your business in five years or you don't. Uh, you basically just like grow 1x instead of 3x. So this this churn is that that's why everybody in the subscription-based business is so much after this churn number and tries to also be uh, able to get this even to a negative, which means if you don't do, if you don't add any customer from tomorrow, so you stop sales, no more customers come to your business, you would still grow your revenue because you can basically up or cross your existing customers um, to other services, to other products, they increase the number of users or whatever your business pricing model is, but they basically continuously spend more money with you as an existing customer and you don't lose that. So you don't have this leaking bucket, as you say, which makes, mm -hmm. uh, that's why it's sometimes uh, overseen because on the short term, it makes really not that much of a difference. Mm -hmm. But on the, if you look in the future and there's this graphs that show like what, what the business uh, in regards of revenue is doing, yeah. if you just reduce it by 1%, right? You, if you just get this number down yeah. by 1%, it's a significant difference in mm -hmm. your revenue two, three, four years from now. 
down the road. Absolutely. It's like the plane that deviates, right? By just one degree, it could end up yeah. in a completely different state uh, wherever yeah. they're going, depending on how far they're going, right? I actually yes. had a great guest on my show a couple of weeks ago, Brittany Hodak. She's writing a book. I mean, she's launching a book called Creating Superfans. And she talks about this exact thing. Like when you have someone that really loves your program to the point that uh, they actually want to share their experience with their you know, uh, fellow uh, entrepreneurs or, or friends even, uh, just even the marketing itself is going to be a, you need less marketing dollars and B when you do get on the phone with people that are already being sold by their friends or, yes, or, yes. or colleagues, it's just a, such a no brainer, right? It becomes a comfortable on, onboarding call instead of, you know, a, a hustle, you know, sales call most times. Right? Correct. Correct. So there's no better marketing than, than that kind of uh, recommendation. Absolutely. And yeah, as you say, it's not no longer a sales. It's like, Okay, um, I like John told me all about your product. How can yeah. I use it? So let me show you some use cases. So it's more in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, exactly. And so, actually, I wanted to know a question that I didn't ask you at the beginning, Philip. How many people are in your team right now? Uh, it's a very good question. We are in the twenties now. Okay. Uh, I don't know the exact number, though. I apologize. That's okay. No, I was just wondering, but like you guys are planning, and so my generally, my generally, my question at this point is: Is there anything exciting that you want to share with our audience about your product or something you're doing yourself? So uh, yeah, if uh, if anyone is interested in reducing churn in their subscription-based business, then head over to Classify.com, yeah, and uh, um, sign up for a demo um, or reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to to have a chat with you guys and just exchange. Uh, it doesn't have to be like a interest in the product. We can also just exchange uh, opinions, uh, or I can give you some tips and best practices. Awesome. And that was actually my following question was, where can people find you online, Philip? Because I know what, after this conversation, people want to know more. So you said LinkedIn at just uh, Philip Wolf with two Ps? Yeah, exactly. Ex exactly. Philip Wolf, one L, two Ps, and then Wolf, W-O-L-F, and Castify. Uh, that if you if you enter that in Google, you should also find my LinkedIn profile there probably as, as one of the first. That's us. Awesome again, Philip. It was great having you on the show. I'm looking forward to having you back in the future when uh, you want to share more knowledge about your world. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing you again soon. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob, D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section. And to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again. And I will talk to you again soon.